0: Rob, Rob, come on, come on. It's a tongue twister. Say it, it. it's tongue twister. Do one of these.
1: CLNS, (laughs) CLNSmedia.com.
0: What's going on over there? You amplify that up to triple elixir? Did you say amplify? I'm not sure what I said, but I will re-say it (laughs) and say
1: amplify. Why is it that I'm always the one that has to do the meta check? Well, I'll tell you, I I, I actually think that we fall into two very specific roles. See, I, and I'm okay with this, I know stuff, a lot of stuff, but I'm more of the conductor. I lead the conversation and I have colorful banter throughout. But you, you are the guy amongst a traditional orchestra that jumps in for a guitar solo. Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this
0: week, we discuss the information that everyone wants to hear, the things that everyone's talking about, the booms and not the moobs. Welcome to
1: the Swag Sauce McGillicuddy. Bada bada boom. Boom. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, clnsmedia.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, we hope you enjoy the show. Nice, man. Episode 54. Let's go, baby. We are here. We are
0: back. We are ready to roll. Rocking and rolling, moving and grooving, wheeling and dealing, high flying and limousine riding, baby. Let's go. <laughs>
1: that's right. Um, and real quick. <laughs> Just that's it. That's, that's right. It. That's it. all I got. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and before we kick things off, uh, I actually have something I want to bring up real quick, if that's cool. Let's do it. All right, as many of you may recall, we asked for your opinion a while back about how you would feel if we started having sponsors on the show. And luckily... The overwhelming majority of you supported the idea. So moving forward, we're going to let you guys know about some great brands that we truly believe are great fits for the show, all to help grow Cast Royale. And we want to turn any proceeds that we get right back around into the show and provide you with more fun and awesome content. That's right. And that'll come in the form of podcasts, that'll come in the form of YouTube videos,
0: giveaways, keeping up on Twitter, and everything else that comes in between. So guys, thank you so much for supporting what we do. For the past year and a half, or longer, I guess two years at this point, Rob, we've been doing this for fun, with nothing but our generous patrons as supporters. But now we also have a new way to support our show and help our community grow even bigger. Bada
1: bada. Boom. Boom. So, without further ado, how was your week in the arena? Dude, this week has been amazing for me in the arena.
0: So the season reset... Just after the new year, and I spent the majority of the first half of this season playing the ladder. Dude, I quickly climbed to 4,600 trophies. I almost made it to about 4,700 trophies, and then I kind of just stopped playing the ladder. And the reason why is because, dude, I have been playing so many grand challenges this week, and it is a lot of fun. Like, normally I play classic challenges because I try and like you know, play a little bit more on the casual side, but I wanted to see how I would fare in Grand Challenges, and it is so hard, and it is so much fun, but I'm loving the challenge. Is it really, really, really different? It is so much different. Like, you know how in a classic challenge, you'll play, like, the first five games of a classic challenge, and you'll play people that are, like, level eight King Tower, or they have, like, level six Musketeers. Like, these people are, like, at 5,000 trophies or higher. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but, like, a lot of times. And you're playing against people that know the fundamentals of the game. So if you can play versus them and beat them, you get better inherently, right? But it's just really hard to beat them.
1: <laughs> right.
0: But it's a good challenge. I've been liking it, and, um, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how much it's made me realize that I need to work on the fundamentals of, of the game.
1: Uh, because one small mistake and I lose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I wish I had more gems to play grand challenges. It's amazing that you were able to do that. Well, dude, I gotta tell you, I was talking to our boy
0: Bufaretti, who we have been friends with since the very beginning of starting our podcast and his YouTube channel. He found out that we didn't have enough gems to make grand challenge videos on YouTube so we said, you know what, guys? Here you go. Poof. Put this code into your iTunes redemption box, Ooh. and you will have a brand spankin' new $20 in your account. Dude, he gave us $20 to put into our account so that we can make YouTube videos via Grand Challenges. I cannot tell you how thankful I am to be friends with such a genuinely nice person. Booferetti has been a friend to us. He's been a great guy. We've done collaborations with him on his channel, on our channel. And Boof, we cannot say enough great things about you. If you haven't checked out Boof before, be sure to go to youtube.com slash and we will include his link in
1: the show notes. Nice. Could not have said it better myself. So that was my week in the arena. But how about you, sir? I have actually had a pretty decent week in the arena. Uh, I am hovering around 4,500 trophies, uh, and it's pretty awesome. Although, it, 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 it took me a little while to get there. I felt like I was stuck at like 4,200 for maybe about a week, and that really bothered me. Um, and then a couple days ago, I just, I tried really hard uh, and brought my trophy count up to 4,500, but you know, eventually, eventually... You know it's going to happen. Trophy death spiral. It's coming. Um, but I did have some fun stuff happen to me. Uh, I got another princess, so that was cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. I also got another night witch the next day from the ramp-up challenge. So that's two... That's two legendaries in two days, correct? Correct. Okay?
0: But wait, there's more. How could there possibly be more?
1: Oh, well, I'll tell you. I purchased the Royal Ghost from the shop without hesitation. The second it showed up in the shop, I was checking every day for it to cycle through. And I'm like, it's going to show up. It's got to show up. Why wouldn't it show up? Right. And then it didn't show up so long that I was like, do I really have to like unlock this card? in order for it to show up in the shop. And then uh, uh, innately, I got mad at the game, right? But then, of course, the next day after that crazy thought, it shows up in the shop, purchased it. Done. So you got three legendaries in three days? It might have been in four days, but yeah, I got it. And now I have every card in the game. Dude, that's amazing. I don't,
0: normally the only, I mean, the only time that I feel like I ever open up any sort of legendary is on the show when we get lucky and do it when we're opening chests. But aside from that, I don't know if I've ever opened up Three legendaries in four days. Well, for the last one, I have my gold
1: to thank for that. Well, regardless, (laughs) if so facto, that's right. Right. (laughs) Uh, uh, And I also, from a quest, got my first lightning chest experience. That is so awesome. So I've never had a lightning chest. Tell me what it's like. So, um... I don't really know. I mean, I could explain how it works, uh, but I don't really know how I feel about it yet because I think the first one, it, it really wasn't that good. Um, I, I got like one card, maybe skeletons. I'm not 100% sure. So it was good for Mortar Mahler. But dude, you open up a card, and essentially how it works is you have like a pool of five lightning strikes, right? So when you get the card, you get to strike that card. So if you don't like it, you strike it, and it immediately gives you another card. Of the same rarity. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. But when you strike it, does like a lightning bolt come down and just like destroy the card? Of course it does. This game is the most flashy of all Supercell games. So, of course, it gets struck by lightning. It dissipates the card. You get a new card. But the problem is you're essentially gambling every time you every time you do this because you could have a, right. an okay card... And then get stuck with a really, really bad card or a card that you would never use. So I find it like, you know, sometimes it's better to hold on to it if you think you could use it at some point, as opposed to if you're never going to use it, get rid of the card.
0: Yeah, I guess the way that you're, you're describing it, this kind of a chest reminds me of like, it's like a press your luck kind of thing.
1: It's like, do you, do you,
0: do you like what you have now? And do you want to gamble whether the next one's going to be better or worse.
1: <laughs> right. That's exactly what this is like. This is like uh, higher or lower. You know that card game? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. But I will tell you one thing. I personally don't think I'll ever spend 250 gems to buy one of these from the shop, given what I know about it now and how it works.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, if you're not guaranteed anything special out of it and you're kind of, you know, taking two chances at getting something you like or having a worse
1: card than the one you previously didn't like already. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> right. Um, and plus, you need to be strategic with when you use and save your lightning strikes, right? Because if you get a really... If you use them all up on the first couple of cards, and then the last one you get, it's a really bad card or you're never going to use it. Guess what? You're out of luck. No more strikes. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's true. But I mean, I guess still
0: I'm kind of torn, right? Because I think that this kind of a chest... Like, I feel like all the new chests are still such great and clever ideas. Um, just the creativity and coming up with unique chests and things for people to look forward to is really cool. And if I ever got it in a quest, I would be ecstatic, right? But I would, I would never personally spend 250
1: gems to get one. Right. And that's me too. I think this is an amazing quest chest. Quest chest. Boom. 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 Tonight, we are sponsored by
0: SeatGeek. Rob, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices. Fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person
1: and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And it's funny, I actually have SeatGeek on my phone and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. And I actually used SeatGeek to buy tickets to go see Avenged Sevenfold. And that concert was great and it made it really painless and easy. Best of all, our listeners can get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code CAST today. That's promo code CAST for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Thanks a lot to SeatGeek for sponsoring our show. So that pretty much does it for my experience in the arena this week. Uh, We did have a couple of challenges happen, one of which we already kind of mentioned, the ramp up challenge. Ramp up challenge! Dude, this challenge is awesome. And I love playing it because I feel like it really gives me a chance to sit down and experiment with different deck types, especially since the last time that I actually won a challenge, I got to play with like, uh, I don't know, a mega knight, uh, bandit deck and it rocked, dude, this deck did really well. I didn't win, uh, but I did make it high enough to get a really good chest. And of course I, like I mentioned before, I got the night, Witch, bro. I'm really digging this challenge more and more. Every time I play it, I feel like I get better and I like it.
0: You know, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, the ramp up challenge is a fun way to try new decks. And I mean, there are certain deck archetypes that fare better in this challenge than other decks, right? Like, for example, a beat down style deck, typically in a match gets better throughout the course of the match, right? Because it can do bigger and better damage in double... Uh, elixir overtime than a normal call it control type deck can do Um, because the bigger units and bigger spells just get more value
1: than the cheaper decks right right and theoretically because the uh, because the elixir is running up much quicker towards the end of the game as the game progresses those pushes become bigger and bigger because you get to throw more of those bigger units out at a time no it's
0: exactly right and at the end of the day with a beatdown style deck or a heavy kind of deck at the end of the game you're at triple elixir i mean you go from single to double to triple elixir so you take the advantage that you would normally have in a double elixir advantage and you can amplify that up to triple the elixir and dude you just literally steamroll your competition and the only way that you will not actually steamroll your competition is if your opponent is playing a similar beatdown style deck but I gotta tell you, this, this challenge was so much fun. I didn't get to 12 wins or 9 wins, whatever it was, I can't remember. But I did have a blast playing in it. I wound up using a giant skeleton
1: clone deck. What? And it was so much fun. I can't believe you would use the clone spell, considering it's statistics recently. Well, I would agree with that statement. However,
0: <laughs> when you can clone your giant skeleton multiple times to take out so many units, because at triple elixir, your opponents are just constantly throwing down troops The bombs that the skeletons let out just destroy so many things, and it is tremendous value.
1: I feel like it's probably like a battlefield at that point because you just have,. Bomb, 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 bomb. It's more like <laughs> boom,, boom, boom, boom.: boom, boom. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what it's like if you saw the difference there. I, I, I felt the difference in my heart. Wow. Well, I mean, that's what I do. I vibrate the heart with booms. <laughs> um, So good. It sounds like we had a good time with this challenge. Uh, did you also get to play the 2v2 practice challenge? I did. I, you know, I don't... I'm confused about this, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, okay. I was a
0: little bit confused by this challenge. Tell me why. Because, like, what is the difference between this 2v2 versus, like, any other 2v2? I guess, like, the only difference is... Like, I get a free attempt, and it's just in a challenge form, and if I get, you know, five crowns and then ten crowns in the challenge, I get, like, two one-time rewards. First, I get 1,000 gold, and then I get 2,000 gold, so a total of 3k gold, which is, you know, by no means a small amount of, of gold, because it's great for upgrading your cards. Um, but I just didn't understand what the challenge was for, as opposed to just making it, like, a quest that people can do, like, hey play 2v2s and
1: win and collect crowns, and you can get 3,000 gold. Like, why make this into a challenge? That's actually a really good question, and I never really thought about it until you posed it just now, but maybe the only thing that I could think of um, is, first of all, it's one of the very few, if not the first challenge that requires crowns to win. I think you're right. Okay. And then... I also feel like if, if, if my memory serves me correctly, which normally it doesn't, so correct me if I'm wrong, you get less than 3,000 gold from a crown chest, and a crown chest takes 10 crowns to get that gold, right? So maybe they're kind of incentivizing like, well, you could get your crown chest and get less gold, or you can try this cool challenge and play with a friend and get the one-time rewards and get more than a crown chest.
0: Right, but you could also just make it a quest and have people just do it and get 3,000 gold if they collect 10
1: crowns, right? Well, that is also a fair point. And that leads me to my third response, which is maybe they just ran out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were just like, hey, guys, listen, we, we just need something. We just need something to fill the spot. I think, I think... I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll take it. Uh, I don't, I I, I like, like I said, I like the fact that it's crowns and not wins because let's face it, crowns are way easier to get and you don't always get stuck with the best people if you decide to do a quick match. Totally agree. Mm Mm-hmm. But dude, we also had touchdown.
0: We talked about this last episode. We've been waiting. We've been wondering. We've been anticipating touchdown for the past like month and a half
1: and it finally came out how excited were you when you saw it in the game i couldn't believe it i almost felt like our episode influenced this being in the game but maybe that's just my crazy conspiracy theory it's just very close to when we released our episode complaining that we wanted this back in the game i will tell you that i was extremely excited i loved playing it it was awesome but i'm not 100% sure why when you don't make it through on the free round does it cost 50 gems to do it again. So what were you hoping it cost? Anything less than
0: 50. Yeah, see, I disagree with you. I think I think if it were 100, I would have been really mad. But 50 is like the, you know, if it's either 50 or if it's 10, I kind of just like say, okay, I mean, I won't try it more than like two or three times. But, um, you know, I, you get the free attempt and then you do it one or two more times. And, you, you know, it's like 100 gems for touchdown. That's like super awesome. Plus, If it's in the challenges, you know what that means, dude? It is in the friendly battles. So you and your clanmates can play 2v2 versus each other in the clan as a friendly battle and play
1: touchdown mode for free, no gems at all. And it is so much fun. That's a good point. I just kind of felt like for for the big comeback, the massive return of touchdown, I just kind of expected it to be 10 gems with maybe less rewards. Well, I think that's
0: always our view, right? Like, we don't care about the one-time rewards being great. Like, we would just rather play more challenges when they come up. It's a good point. Well, you made it, Rob.
1: So, boom. Boom to me.
0: Boom to Rob.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, light on the topics this week, uh, at least from the game's point of view, but you've been doing some stuff on Twitter with Stats Royale. You want to tell us a little bit
0: about that? That's right. So Rob and I have been active on Twitter. And if you like to follow us, you can find us at Podcast Royale. And dude, I've been looking up stats on Stats Royale. And I got to tell you, I've, I've been a fan of just the, the stats being available on Stats Royale and what kind of different information you can find from it, whether it's meta type things or how things are different in ladder versus the tournaments. And I got to tell you, I came across two stats on Sats Royale, that blew my mind away. Are you ready? Ready. Numero uno. At tournament standards, the Bomb Tower lacks something that causes its win rate to be literally the worst in the game. At 17.7%, which means when this card is used in a game, it loses 82.3% of the time in tournament standards which is absolutely insane. To put that into perspective, the next closest win rate is 42.2%, which is about 25% higher as a win rate, and that is the clone spell. And when was the last time you ever saw a clone spell used in tournament standards or challenges? When you just told me about when you used it in the challenge. Well, right. And that was the ramp up challenge. So let's, let's take, <laughs> let's take that off the table. But dude, we posed the question of what changes can be made to this card, the bomb tower in order to make it viable without allowing it to be dominant for lower level arenas. And that's the struggle with this card. We've gotten a lot of feedback on Twitter. And dude, I gotta tell you, I think the most viable answer without making this card way too overpowered would be to increase its damage slightly, reduce its health slightly, and make the cost four instead of five. So it does more damage per hit. It has less overall HP, so it doesn't last on the map as long, but... It is also a 4 cost card instead of a 5 cost card, allowing it to cycle faster, not cost as much to commit it onto the map, and just do more damage per second, which allows it to be more valuable when attacking or defending. Interesting. I was going to say something totally different. Well, I was told growing up that there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's, unless
1: you don't eat it. Right. That is the wrong way. Do you want to know what my idea was? I would love to. Why not make it the only building that when it gets destroyed, it does damage to troops? So like when it dies, it explodes? Or like when it dies,
0: the bomb from the bomber that it's, that's on top drops and it blows up like
1: the skeleton bomb or the balloon bomb? So since we already have two of those cards, I'm going to steer away from that and pick the other one and say that when it dies, it should explode because whatever bombs this guy is pulling from his pile just explode. I like that. So it's like true death
0: damage. Like when the ice golem dies, it kind of bursts or the skeleton barrel. Just like those. So I think both of those ideas would be super cool. I don't know which one would be the right answer or if either of them would be the right answer, but it'd be cool to see if it helped. Boom. And what was the second one? The second one we'll run through a little bit quicker. When we looked on Stats Royale, the cannon cart, can you believe this? The cannon cart had the highest win rate for tournament standard challenges. But get this, dude, its use rate was at the very lowest, or amongst the very lowest, at 2.4%. What? So what this tells me is that the pros understand the potential of this card, and the people who use it truly know how to use it and get tremendous value out of the card. Whereas you and me, the Everyday Joes, the average players, we do not use the card because when we use it, we lose.
1: Because we don't know how to effectively <laughs> use the card. And that's the problem. Right. Well, first, let me, let me acknowledge one of your couple of points that you made. First, I am no average Joe. I'm an average Rob. Well, that is actually factual. Actually factually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and two, I think you're right. I think this uh, is a card that the pros play and play very well. Uh, And I can tell you from experience that (laughs) I got demolished by a deck that had the cannon card in it and they knew exactly how to play it. Yeah. So I guess the takeaway here is we need to
0: watch some YouTube videos from the pros who use this card effectively so that we can increase its use rates while also keeping the win rate just as high as it currently is in challenges. Boom. Boom. Hey, Joe. Hey, Rob. You know what time it is? Oh, I know what time it is. Do you know what time it is?
1: It's time for Boom It or Move It! Boom It or Move It! So Boom It or Move It is no longer a new section on the show where Joe and I just spitfire ideas that we either find online or we make up on our own, or it comes from the Discord and our clan members. But we talk about them, say whether we like it, we boom it, or whether we don't like it and we move it. And then we explain why. So you ready to kick things off? I'm ready. Are you ready for number one? Oh, I'm ready. Let's go. So, if you finish a quest while in a match, the game should notify you when it's completed. Boom it or move it. Dude, so I I was originally going to boom this one. No.
0: But I think... No. Don't I say it. think... No! I'm going to move it. <laughs> Ah, Dude, I really, really, really would love to know when I finish a quest when I'm playing a game. But here's my problem. Tell me. I absolutely, positively, without a doubt, hate notifications that come or appear on my screen as I'm playing a match. This would dish one, it would distract me, two, I feel like it would make me lose, and then three, I would get so mad at that quest that I wouldn't even want to open up the chest from it all I would want to do is just ninja star my phone across the room (laughs) and just stop playing.
1: Okay, that's fair. I was going to boom it, right? So let me ask you a question. What if it was an option in settings that you can turn it on and off? Then I would say I'd think about it. Oh, okay. All right, all right. All
0: right, so you ready for question number two? Ready. As clan leaders, we should have the ability to delete specific... Chat messages that appear in your clan chat. Boom it or move it. This is
1: a massive boom for me. Oh yeah? Why? Well, without going into too much detail, let's just say we had a situation in the clan the other day where I felt it was necessary to delete said comment. And the only solution was to just keep typing and making the message disappear and hoping that nobody saw it. Now, if we had a way to delete specific chat messages, that would never be an issue, especially for our clans. Our clans are specifically family friendly, and I get that there is the chat filter, but sometimes people don't have it on. And frankly, I, and I'm assuming you, don't feel like that chat filter should need to be on. So this would be a great way to kind of clean up the chat if something has gone awry, so to speak. Yeah, you
0: know, I think I would totally agree with you, right? Like, what happens if someone says something? Like, the only thing you can do is ban them, but the message is still there. Like, it's not like you can delete the message. It's not like that that goes away, right? So, like the like you said, the most you can do is just like spam chat until it disappears. But I mean, that's not a viable answer, right? Like, you should, as a clan leader, be able to, or as an elder or a co-leader, be able to moderate your chat. Um, mm-hmm. That's just uh personal opinion here we're a family friendly <laughs> clan fr- family friendly community and uh, i mean for us it just seems logical totally agree but then again i also
1: don't know how hard it would be to actually implement that so mm. i don't think it'd be hard i think you can just make it so that only elders and above can tap and hold on a specific message it brings up that boxy red x and then you just tap the x and it says are you sure you want to delete confirm done game over You see, the theoretical concept of that sounds very, very simple. (laughs) But the coding, I don't
0: know if the coding is that simple. So I will still agree with you, but I will be
1: sensitive to the fact that it might be a hard thing to do. Well, the superpower that is Supercell can absolutely make that happen. If anyone can do it right, it's them. Boom. Mm hmm. Are you ready for number three? Oh, I'm ready. The Zappies, your favorite card, should die from a fireball. Boom it
0: or move it. I think that I've been very clear on my position for this. No, you don't say. I don't like the Zappies as a card. I think they are very underpowered. I also think that they should not die to a fireball. So with that, I will move, move, move this one. I think personally, any 4 cost card that dies to a fireball is a very difficult card to balance and make viable in the arena. I think in the current meta, the only card that has ever been a viable 4 cost card that dies to a fireball is the flying machine. I think over time, people have started to figure out how to use this card, but the zappies just do not have the same viability in the current meta. If they die to a fireball, they are underpowered. If they don't die to a fireball, I think they are more viable, and that's that. I couldn't agree more,
1: actually. All
0: right, so are you ready for the last one? Ready. You may have heard this in my rant, but if you didn't, don't worry, because I've got you. The Flying Machine is a
1: viable card in the current meta. Boom it or move it. Ooh, this, this is this is tough for me. But again, I think that it doesn't have anything to do with my personal opinion because you know how I feel about this card. And I think I've been pretty clear. But I'm going to boom this one. Wow. Surprised? Very. So, uh, it's not played all that often against me, but dude, when it is, I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. There's a reason why we call it the crying machine. And it's not just that we don't like the card. We don't like the card because it's so good sometimes. Like that deck that I talked about prior that had the cannon cart. Yeah. That deck also contained the flying machine. Whoa. Yeah. And the combination of those two cards along with the other ridiculous cards that were in this deck. Dude, I have never seen a deck like this. I've never seen something so meticulously put together and concocted in such a way that it was like a Frankenstein of a deck. It destroyed me. And I hate to say it, I still don't like the card, but I'm starting to respect it. (laughs) So I think that's a really good way to put it.
0: I don't (laughs) like the card itself. I still call it the crying machine. I think it's viable, but only because I see other people play it well. But me personally... I don't play it well, and I need to... This reminds me a lot of the canon card. I need to figure out the right way to play it. But in the current meta, it is a very viable option. Boom. And that's it
1: for Boom It or Move It. Another successful one, I might add. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's time for our meta check. Meta check. check. And as always, our boy, Sir Devin, Lloyd Christmas, comes to us with another well-put-together meta check describing what is going on in this game. So, Joe, what does Devin have to say? So, dude, our boy, Lloyd
0: Christmas, Devin has hit us up with the numbers again, and I'm sure you will not be surprised from what the numbers say. Are you ready? 100% ready. So let's kick things off let's just talk about the elephant in the room, the thing that everyone's talking about. It's the infamous Royal Ghost. Dude, we haven't seen a card break the game like this since the Night Witch was released during the CCGS qualifiers. In its first week on record, get this, the Royal Ghost had a use rate of 60% at the tippy tippy top of the ladder. Wow. And bro, it wasn't even released yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, it's too much. That's crazy. It's nuts. The card wasn't even released yet. The only thing that people could do to get it was win the Royal Ghost Challenge. And they did it and they used it and they climbed the top of the ladder. The amount of value you get with this card is just insane. A nerf is incoming, a nerf is due. I don't know what size the nerf will be, but it's going to be something. In my mind, it is a little bit too tanky for the value of cost that it is. I feel like the fact that it is invisible and then returns to re-invisibility mode after like 0.7 seconds of being outside of combat is just too quick. Yep. And the fact that it deals so much splash damage is also... A big issue. I think that small tweaks need to be done to this card in order to rein it back in and make it so that it doesn't absolutely dominate the meta. Because if you have the card and you're not using it in your deck, you're just silly. Right. So what else? You may or may not believe this, but dude, the zap is in and the logs are out. I don't believe it. Here is the zap's use rate over the last four weeks. 60%. 64%. 64% and 64%. The log has been hovering around a whopping total of 30%, which is basically half the use rate of the Zap. Devin has made the switch, and a lot of people have been making the switch as well. And the reason why, dude, is because the Royal Ghost came out and absolutely dominated the meta. And if you recall, cards that go along well with the Royal Ghost are chip damage type cards like the Goblin Hut or the Skeleton Barrel things that annoy your opponent but oh wait, they have to worry about an Invisible Royal Ghost as well and those decks are typically accompanied by an Inferno Dragon which makes the Zap inherently a better option than the Log. Good point I don't know if I can get rid of my Log but I'll consider it. Now let's quickly talk about the Lightning which is the Zap's Big, older, and heavy-duty brother. Mm-hmm. The lightning is a dry spell in this current meta, dude. Use rates are down below 1% over the last month at the tippy-top of the ladder. Ever since the nerf on the high-damage spells on buildings, and ever since the damage radius got brought down by 0.5 tiles, the poison has just become a monster spell, super used, and no one is using the lightning anymore.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I have been seeing a ton of poison decks, uh, specifically (laughs) poison decks that contain the miner in the graveyard. I totally agree. So I've got two more for you. Are you ready? Ready. We talked about this
0: before, but the Inferno Dragon. Let's compare the Inferno Dragon to its building brother, the Inferno Tower. They're not too much different, right? Wrong. Wrong. Pros are heavily heavily, heavily leaning on the Inferno Dragon. It's being used 36% of the time as of last week. And guess what? The Inferno Tower is being used a whopping total of 0%. What was once an almighty building at the tippy top of the ladder is now fading into obscurity for reasons that we may never know. (laughs) but what we do know is this the inferno dragon does just as much damage the inferno dragon is a flying troop the inferno dragon can cross the river and attack your opponent's tower the inferno dragon is better (laughs) they both survive to a lightning so what's the benefit of using a five cost building that doesn't have any offensive capability when you can just
1: spend one less elixir to have great defense and a potential counter push I guess the only thing I could think of is just to ensure that whatever giant, so to speak, needs to be distracted gets pulled towards the Inferno Tower. I would totally agree with that,
0: but it doesn't seem to be making that much of a difference for pros who are using it at the top of the ladder. Right. So what's Devin's last check on this meta? It's interesting to see how one card can change the dynamic of buildings across the entirety of the meta. And by that I mean this. Ever since the Royal Ghost has come out, the buildings being used in the game are this. Are you ready? Ready. The Barbarian Hut, the Elixir Collector, the Goblin Hut, the Mortar, and the expo. Now here are the things that are not being used. The Cannons, the Inferno Towers, minimal amounts of Teslas unless they're being combined with expos, The Bomb Tower. So get this. When the Royal Ghost came out, it amplified spawner decks, beatdown decks, and siege decks. But the control-type decks, where cannons and inferno towers and teslas are pulling troops into the middle, they aren't being used as much. That's super interesting. It is super interesting, and I think the reason for that is because these buildings don't offer any added value against the Royal Ghost. Sure, the Royal Ghost gets pulled into the building because it might get distracted by it, but at the end of the day, not the tower or the building attacks the, the Royal Ghost until after the Royal Ghost attacks it first. So but for a cannon, cannon's got a very small amount of HP. So after one or two hits, that thing's dead anyway. So what's the point of having a cannon when it's not gonna have added value? So it's just really interesting to see that the Royal Ghost has made buildings turn to Spawner, Siege, or Beatdown. And Everything else has kind of fallen to the wayside, all because this one card came out. Very, very good point. And that's it. Another meta check in the book. So, Devin, thank you so much for the numbers. We appreciate your effort. And as always, we couldn't talk about everything, but we will include the meta check in the show notes. So, if you'd like to take a look at the figures and let us know if you have any questions,
1: we'll try and respond. Bada bada. Boom. 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 Tonight, we are sponsored by eHarmony. If you're trying online dating, chances are you've run into lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and random matches that don't turn into dates. You can't get to know someone just by looking at their picture. And I've tried many, many online dating sites, and I can tell you this one's different eHarmony is unlike any other online dating site, using years and years of science, data, and psychological research to send you the right matches. They're built to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships, not a shallow hookup site. That's right. So stop waiting and start your journey to a
0: satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love. EHarmony. Come to see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter our code CASTR at checkout so that they know you came from here. That's C A S T R at checkout.
1: Thanks a lot to eHarmony for sponsoring our show. All right, well, let's move on to our Deck Spotlight. Deck Spotlight. And this deck is called Golem McStrollum, because the Golem will stroll all over your opponents. And it's a 4.3 average elixir cost deck that contains the Golem, the Witch, the Mega Minion, the Elixir Collector, Poison, Zap, Ice Golem, and the Mini P.E.K.K.A.
0: So Joe, how do we stroll all over them? Dude, so this deck, like you said, is a 4.3 average elixir cost deck. It is a golem, witch, beatdown style deck. And guess what? It does not include the royal ghost. In fact, it doesn't include any legendaries at all. So this is certainly a deck that most people can play at any given point in time in challenges when tournament standards are capped. Interesting, I didn't even notice that it had no legendaries until you just pointed it out,
1: even though I read the cards.
0: No legendaries, and that's because like normal decks just include at least one legendary nowadays, right? but this deck, sir, does not, and it is super fun and super viable in the current meta. The goal with this deck is to simply gain an elixir advantage, whether that's defending with cheap cost troops or spells, Take small amounts of damage on your tower, or use the elixir pump to gain the elixir advantage. The reason why is because as a beatdown style deck, this deck does more damage than your opponent's deck can do to your towers. If you gain the elixir advantage, it is extremely difficult for your opponent to stop your pushes. A normal push with this deck would include the golem in the back behind your king tower. Pick a side, any side. Once that's down, the next best card to drop is the Witch. You want to drop that Witch in the corner of the map, behind the Archer Tower, on the same side your Golem is going down. Once that's done, you simply just sit back, relax, and see what your opponent does. Depending on what they do will depend on whether you drop down your Mini P.E.K.K.A., your Mega Minion, or your poison or zap combination. If they throw down simple, small troops, best to get rid of them with your zap. If they throw down swarmy troops, things that you don't like, or musketeer, e things of that nature, you're going to want to poison them along with the tower to make sure you get great value for your four-cost spell. You want to use the ice golem on defense to distract your opponent's troops. The Mini Pekka is great on offense, but to be honest, it's even better on defense because this card has tremendous defensive power, stops your opponent from getting to your tower, and can literally stop so many different kinds of pushes. But wait, there's more. It also offers counter pushes that, if your opponent disregards, will absolutely destroy their tower when it goes on the opposite side of the arena. Overall, this deck is fun, it's easy to play. The only thing that's difficult about it is knowing how much damage you can take on your towers. Finding the right balance between taking damage on your towers and gaining an elixir advantage is key to the success of this deck. But just remember, when you can play the golem and witch combination, that is your key to go. But you typically don't want to do that until after you've got the elixir advantage through either defensive, elixir trades, or dropping down the elixir pump. Bada bada. Boom. Nice job, dude. This deck seems sick. Dude, it is so good. It is so much fun. And we actually put this deck to the test in Grand Challenges. We made a YouTube video that does a deck spotlight over Golem Mixtrolem. So be sure to check out our YouTube at youtube.com slash podcast. We will also include a link directly to the YouTube video in the show notes. Click it, take a look at the three or so games that we did in the Grand Challenges to hopefully apply them to your games and win some GCs
1: yourself. Boom. Boom. Nice. Um, so, we got three reviews this week. Yeah, we did. And the first one is from GXBGYF from the Netherlands. Gixbegif, gif. Well, Gixbegif writes, Better than football. Hi guys, I really love your podcast. I'm a casual player your age, and it all makes a lot of sense. I often listen to you guys when I'm on my bike cycling to work. I have people looking at me strange for laughing out loud on my bike all the time. Your fault. But for the first time ever, I have to disagree with your move. There are way less Clash Royale players in the US than the rest of the world. So I think it's crazy to expect the worldwide season end to be on another day because of a so-called sport event. Really think about it. Nevertheless, I love your show. Keep up the good work. Greets, Tim. Dude, first of all, I will start by saying, Tim, thank you
0: so much for the kind words. Your iTunes name is definitely questionable, but (laughs) (laughs) it is a lot of fun to pronounce. Truly appreciate the kind words. Gixpagif. Gixpagif. Super happy that when you're biking to work, we get a couple of laughs out of you. But on to the nitty gritty dude, he called us out for moving, calling the season end on the Super Bowl. And I got to tell you, when I read this review, it was kind of like a humbling experience for me. Like I took a step back and I was like, wow, like I was living in this like little U.S. bubble and like thought that like the U.S. was like the most important thing. When... In reality, Clash Royale is so much bigger than the U.S. And I didn't even think about the worldwide impact of how people don't care about <laughs> the Super Bowl right. outside of the U.S. You know what I mean? Shame on you and shame on me. You know, I, I think that reading this review really put things into perspective for me. Like I was when I said moob on the last episode, I really believed it. Now, looking back at it, I'm like, wow, yeah, that was kind of like that was a little um naive of me to be like, yeah, they should. uh you know, the Super Bowl, guys, it's a pretty important thing here. No, forget about the Super Bowl. Here's what I think. The world is more important than the Super Bowl. And Tim, you have taught me a great
1: lesson in your review. So thank you so much. Boom. Right. And I think for the first time ever, we're going to go back and change our boom it or move it. For the first time ever, I will totally agree. I, if I had to
0: go back, I would immediately change the move
1: to a boom. So congratulations, another Cast first, Gixpagif. And without further ado, a huge shout out to PixelWookie99 and Super1. Thank you guys all for leaving us reviews on iTunes like we say every week. It's the number one way you can help us reach more people. That's right. And no patrons this week, but that's okay. If you would like to support the show, you can go to castrailpodcast.com slash donate, and learn about all the different ways that you can support us. And Joe. What's up? That's it. We're done. We're done. Episode 54 in the books, baby. Let's go. We are done. Um, if you would like to join our clan, like we always say, you can look for our refresh every Saturday night into Sunday uh, and join from there. Just make sure you write the word podcast in your invitation. If you would like to know when those spots are available first, join our Discord and join in on the conversation. You can get the link at castroyalepodcast.com slash Discord. That's right. And as we mentioned earlier, if you'd like
0: to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do so by using the handle at Podcast Royale. And we've been very, very active on YouTube. So be sure to check out our new videos where we post a bunch of deck spotlights at YouTube.com slash Cast podcast.
1: And like we said at the beginning of the episode, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, CLNSmedia.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, we sincerely hope you enjoyed the show. So we did it, man. We did it. We're done. It's in the books. I'm going to bed because I'm exhausted. It's very late. Are you tired? Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired, but I'm excited. You should be excited. We finished. We did We did. Um, So if there's nothing else, we will see you next time for another HodgePodge of Everything! HodgePodge of Everything! Boom! Bye. Bye.